We're talking about why people long for the Holy Ghost. Everybody say long for, long for it. We could say why they desire it, but let's look at uh, John 7. Grab your Bibles. Now, I'm going to kind of walk around a little, and uh, I'm using my giant Bible. This is my Ryrie, but I, I'm going to have to do this. I know it's there, but I don't want to just use the overlay. Uh, I type that in. It's probably absolutely correct, but uh, because I'm so good at getting it right. But look at verse seven, uh, 37. Now, <clears throat> so in John chapter 7, the, uh, verse 32, the Pharisees assured that people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I will go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am thither ye cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go? That we shall not find him. This is, he, he's really kind of toying with them. Will he go into the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? And so he was uh, just letting their foolish minds uh, do what foolish minds do. And then verse 36, what manner of saying is this? That he said, ye shall seek me and shall not find me. And whither I am, thither you cannot come. So <clears throat> what he's doing is he's setting the stage for explaining how he is going to fill his disciples. And so he, he goes on. So verse 36, what man is saying is this. And then verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. Everybody say cried, which is another way of saying he cried out. In other words, he got pretty loud. So there's several Greek words for crying or cry out or to shout and so on which give you different sort of phases or different degrees of intensity. Jesus stood and cried, saying, or cried out, If any man thirst, let him come unto me. See, this was not a little patty cake thing. He was expressing to them the reason uh, that they desire something and the solution to it. So in the last day, that great day, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Praise God. Now, you've got to know that's totally 100% symbolic. Because to drink of Jesus means, of course, that, uh, that understanding of the Spirit of God in which when you come to God. Now, someone said, uh, now, how many knows that Jesus is God and that God became a man? So there was the invisible God, we might say the father, that became the son, became a man. And then the Christ that was the man then preached the gospel. And through the gospel, we can be saved and we're saved through the spirit. How many knows that we're saved through the spirit? So Jesus is basically giving us a oneness lesson here by telling us that we're going to be filled with himself. How many knows that Christ is in you right now? Anybody feel the Lord right now? Yes, that's what you're feeling. You're feeling the Lord. Well, that's his spirit. I get amazed at people that think God's word is a different person from him. Just imagine if my word here. Oh, here I am and there's my word. You hear my words? Well, that's another person. 
You know, if people were saying that, you know where they are? You know people where they are that saying that? That they're here I am but my word's over there? You know where they are. They're needing assistance. See, that's cuckoo. Now, you listen to me. You don't have to like it. But people that tell you that God's spirit is something other than himself are mistaken. Now, I know why. I know why theologians think. I want to tell you, I'm getting a little fed up with people that are so smart, they just won't believe a thing God says. And I want to tell you, it's very dangerous as well. People tell you, I've had pl plenty of very intelligent people say, it doesn't matter if you get baptized. It's just water. Well, that's foolish. That's cuckoo. And then someone said, well, that's what the Catholics do. They make you get baptized as babies. Well, I don't care what the Catholics do. They have a right to do anything they want to do. That doesn't change the word of God. You need to repent and be baptized. It isn't an option. You don't say, well, I'll get baptized, or maybe I'm too smart to get baptized. All right, and many, many, many people say, I don't need the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. That's what they think. Because they're so uh, whatever they are. But I'm going to tell you what I find. I find that rich and educated, poor and uneducated alike are all hungering for God. And that's what I want to talk about. Why is it that people hunger for God? Why is it that they're longing for the Lord? Someone said, well, that's, they're not longing for God. Look at how they're living. Well, it's because of the way they're living that they're hungering for something else. How many is that God can convict people right in the middle of their sinning and start drawing them? How many believes that God can draw people to himself? He doesn't just look around and think, where are all the holy people, and then draw just holy people. What would be the point of that? We're already, I mean, if God makes you holy, you're already holy. What he does is he looks at the sinner like in a prison somewhere or up the street or, or some, some situation. Many, many sincere people God is drawing to himself. So he said, if any man thirsts, everybody say thirst. And, of course, he's talking about spiritual hunger. Or, well, I mean spiritual. I mean hunger is the wrong symbol to use here. But spiritual hunger or thirst, all the point is it's your, your longing for it. Is anybody here hungry for God today? You see, I don't have to. The symbol doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're hungry for God. We came this morning because we're hungry for God. Now, that, I know that we love God, and so we ought to be hungry for God. Um, but, like, remember this song? What, what's that song? Sister French is in her classroom. I, I love it when she's teaching that, but I uh, always love it when she's over here, too. But, um, um Remember, we used to sing. It's been a long time, but and I can make it up because she's not in here. Um, we used to sing a song. I know my wife and I sang it. More of you. Remember that song? You don't remember that? Um, <laughs> More of you. I had it all. Anyway, it was a song. It sounded pretty good in those days. That didn't sound any good, but um, so... What, what it is, is even though I, how many, listen to me, we know the Lord today, but do you think I'm satisfied? How many can see that that's a stream right there? It just keeps coming and coming. See, he said, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said. So you're thirsty. If you see the flowing of the spirit, then if you will believe on me or in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers. Everybody say rivers. See? And then I added in there. Let's see if 39. Let's see if that's good. It looks like I've typed that wrong. 
Uh, uh, the word in is not supposed to be there. Um, but anyway, so the dots are supposed to show you, the ellipses tell you that I cut part of the verse out, obviously. So this spake he of what? The spirit. Everybody say spirit. Right. So he's talking about Jesus, but he's talking about the spirit. So this is a very clear explanation how Jesus is God. He's God because he's, even though he became a man, uh, he's still God. How many knows he doesn't cease to be God just because he became a man? Listen, if he can create a whole world, he figured out a way to become a man, and he did. And that was Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So he said, if you're, uh, he cried out, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me. So what he's doing is he's pointing the way. If you'll believe me, you're thirsty. You know you're thirsty. All right, now let's talk about the why, because that's what I'm teaching about. Why do people long for the Holy Ghost? It's because God has made them that way. He's given them a soul. Now, some people fulfill the desires of their soul in sinful ways. But by the way, everybody has a soul, including the babies they're killing in a mother's womb. They have souls. And those souls are that basically your soul is your uh, well, <laughs> I mean, that'd be going way down in there. But what I'm trying to say is basically your soul is what cries out. It's, how many of those? Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. My soul wants to cry out something deep inside of me. All right. That's your soul. <clears throat> Someone said, well, what's the difference in that in your spirit? Well, the Bible tells us, and, and that's another lesson we need to get to. So he that believeth on me, then out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Praise God. Okay, now let's go to the next one, uh, and uh, we'll keep going because there's a whole lot we want to look at in this, in this short lesson. Now, so this means then that Jesus is telling us that he is our living Water. It, when you are thirsting spiritually, not, not physically, um, but if you're thirsting spiritually and everyone does. Now, some of you are not going to believe it. You're not accepted. I can tell that right now because my voice is a little weak. Um, it's, uh, it's been one of those weeks, you know, where uh, <clears throat> I've been weak because of the flu. But, you know, just to even be waving my arm and up and going, it's just been marvelous. But how many knows that? When people are expressing, let, let's say this young man I met this week that is telling me that, um, that drugs fulfill his life. Okay? Drugs fulfill his life. And I said, it doesn't surprise you. He thought that was going to shock me. And I said, no, that, I fully expected that. I, in fact, I believe you that you are looking for something to fulfill your life. So why not drugs? Why not uh, 150 different women? Or why not uh, whatever it is you're looking for? You're looking and you're living and, uh, and you're thirsting because that's how you were made. Unfortunately, you're looking in all the wrong places. You need to consider who your God is. And how many knows we serve a mighty God this morning? God is able to deal with it. Now, here, folks, you know, that's our job is to convince people. They say, I don't believe in God. And you say, well, I do believe in God. That's your job. That's your job. That's your responsibility. You don't say, well, they don't even believe in God. 
those horrible people. I mean, they, they may be horrible. Uh, there's a lot of despicable things going on in our world, but we don't hate. How many of us, we can't hate people? No, you don't hate people. You, you may despise what they're doing, and you may despise a lot of things that are happening, but you don't despise the people. No matter, uh, and this is a very difficult thing because sometimes people are doing things that, uh, let's say they're harming you. You see, so no, no, I'm not suggesting that, that it's not going to be a battle that's going on. But what the gospel does to us is it brings us living water. Everybody say living water. It's what we need. It's, it's, the, it's a vibrant and living flow of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm trying to tell you that the Holy Ghost is real. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Now, my dad is 91. He was in the hospital last night. We got the call that he's been in there for almost a month. And so they're now, last night he had some real problems and, and uh, everyone got, you know, was on, on the phone and, uh, and, and so it got a little worrisome there and, and, uh, and then we prayed and, and he couldn't breathe and uh, he's had an infection. I don't want to go too far into that. But um, so, so in the middle of the evening, about 10 o'clock last night, uh, we got on the phone, we started praying and and he couldn't breathe, and the doctor said, we don't know what's going on, what, what, what are we going to do? And, and my sister called, and, and we we're all on the phone, all the four of us, and, and, uh, and, and we prayed for dad. And uh, now my dad was an alcoholic most of my life until I was way up into college and beyond. Uh, my dad didn't know anything about the Lord, but he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost changed him so dramatically that it was mind-boggling. My father received the Holy Ghost in his house. Um, and it's a, I won't go into the story, of course, but I just want to tell you this a little bit. That he was, the night, uh, the, yeah, the night that he got the Holy Ghost. Now, my folks had divorced. I, I, I really hardly knew my dad. But... Um, but my dad was married a bunch of times and, and drank. And I mean, it, 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 just the life he lived was just common life with some of the drinks all the time. And <clears throat> work and drink, work and drink. And, but he began to really get hungry for God. Now, he never said that, and none of us were really quite aware of it, but he was really hungering for God. He had, uh, I had received the Holy Ghost. His, his own mother had received the Holy Ghost. And so he was getting under conviction. And, but he thought that, that the alcohol was, uh, I mean, he had to, I mean, he wasn't about to quit drinking. And so, uh, but the night that he got the Holy Ghost, he was sitting at a vodka. Does everyone know what vodka is? If you don't, I'm not going to tell you. All right. He was sitting at a vodka bar in his home at a lovely place with this big old spread of, of we, we always call it the vodka bar, but it, it had everything. And, and he was sitting there and he was about to get a drink. When he was suddenly the spirit of God came down on him He's sitting at that bar. Now, I've told people this and they don't like it because they don't think God does that. They think you get away from that vodka bar or I'm not getting near you. But what the Lord was doing, the Lord knew that he'd already built the wall, that God was already. And, and you know what he did? He fell. Now, you don't, you don't have to believe it. Just listen to me. He fell off of the bar stool. And literally, 
he was so smitten by the Holy Ghost that he fell away and he said, Lord, you, this can't be you. I'm, 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 I've been lost my kids and, my, and he's been married all these different times. And Sister French and I were counting up this week because I'd forgotten one and I was trying to remember. I've had several moms and I was trying to remember all their names. And so we'd gone through and then once he married twice so i had to go back and, and i said well remember he married her again in in 69 and then uh so we were just counting up how many times and so he was just absolutely stunned when the, he felt the power of god and uh, and he knew it was god and he surrendered himself right there he got up and he started to run up the stairs away from the bar and when he did, he got halfway up the steps and he started speaking in other tongues. Now, my dad is like me. He's a weeper and so I'm way more than I am. And uh, so he weeps and he just began to weep and, and talk in tongues. He got the Holy Ghost. Someone said, well, why didn't the Lord give it to him in a Pentecostal church at the front of the church? Well, because God does what he wants to do. And I'll tell you another reason. You couldn't have gotten him to a Pentecostal. <laughs> we just get a little real here. And, and yet here he was drinking, carousing all of his life. And then one day the Holy Ghost just knocks him off the bar stool and fills him with his spirit. Well, he served God ever since then. And today he's 91 years old in the hospital. And we're praying and and the doctors come in and they say, wait a minute, wait a minute. He, was something, something's happening. And while we were praying, his breathing opened up and he woke up this morning and they said he's breathing normal. We don't know what happened. Well, I know what happened. The Holy Ghost did something for a man that surrendered himself to God many years ago. Praise God. Okay, so Jesus is our living water. The Spirit is our living water. That's saying the same thing. Now look at verse 17 of John 14. We're here. For even the Spirit, ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, meaning that's Jesus, and he shall be what? In you. I will not leave you comfortless. See, the Spirit is called the comforter. How many knows the Spirit's called the comforter? Well, Jesus is our comforter, of course. But he, in, in, Jesus isn't standing here. He's here in the spirit. I will come to you. Now, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 at the bottom says, Now the Lord, let's say that together. The Lord is that spirit. So the last time someone was trying to tell me, no, no, that's two different. No, no, the Lord is that spirit. What we're feeling right now, how many knows that's the Lord? We're feeling the presence of the Lord. We like to sing that song, Sister French, where is she? Oh, the presence of the Lord is here. Remember that? The presence of the Lord is here. Well, that's the Lord. That's his spirit. What do you think? How many spirits do you think there are? They're just one spirit. How many of those are just one spirit? And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Let's lift our hands and thank God. Thank you, Lord, for freedom that comes in the spirit. Lord, we're not bound by sin any longer. We thank you for it. Now, people hunger because they're sinners and because they have a soul. Now, let's go to the, the baptism of Jesus for just a minute. I know we did this last time, but I want to talk about the dove again. Look at Luke 3, 2. And the Holy Ghost descended on Jesus in a bodily shape like a what? A dove, all right? Now, notice the two Greek words, although you don't care. I die at the top, 
By the way, I teach ancient language, so it's just, I just do, just so you know. So I die, and, and Hosai at the bottom, Hosai is a Greek word that means like as. It was as, uh, <laughs> or like, well, like a dove, or it was like uh, a dream. It wasn't a dream, but it was like a dream. When you use the word as, you're using it as comparison. It isn't the thing, but it was like it. And so, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove. It wasn't a dove. It was the, it was a, it was a spiritual uh, miracle. They saw the dove, but that was not an actual dove. No mother gave birth to that dove. That was, it, it was the Holy Ghost descending in this form in, for many, many, many reasons. Oh, I want to I'm, I'm tell the devil right now. He wants us to be intimidated when God is able to be just as gentle and powerful as he chooses to be. Now, you, so but my point is that some of you I know have a hard time. All right, so, uh, so here Jesus is getting baptized. Now, everybody knows that Jesus did not need to be baptized for himself because he had no sin. So you might say he did it as an example. That, that's true. The Bible says that. He did it as an example. He did it uh, to fulfill all righteousness, meaning, of course, it was the righteous thing to do. For example, Jesus didn't have to pray. He didn't need to pray. He wasn't a man that had to pray. He prayed because men are to pray. And so by praying, he fulfilled righteousness, even though he was God himself. Hallelujah. All right, so, so the spirit uh, is symbolized as a dove. And now here's the, here's the point. Let's go to the next uh, slide. I want to talk about this a minute. So Jesus is in the water, and the dove comes down. And I've heard tons of people say, well, that meant so and so and so. Uh, and that's fine, but, but let's, let's think about it for a moment. The dove descending upon a perfect Jesus, a perfect Savior, is symbolizing to all of us that we also need the Spirit to descend upon us. That's how he fulfilled righteousness. So look, listen, listen to me. Some of you can receive it. Some of you can't. Just as you need to be in the water to be baptized. Don't tell me you don't need to be baptized. Don't tell me your Savior stepped into the water and got his clothes soaking wet. Someone said, well, are you sure he got into the water? Maybe it was, he, it was a cup of water. Well, it's pretty hard to get into a cup of water. And the Bible says he went into the water. It, didn't, it says he went into the water. How do I know? The Bible says so. He went into the water. And so it is that he was baptized of John. And remember the Baptist said, I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but the Baptist said, uh, no, 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 you're the, oh, you're the Messiah. Just like any of us would have done. And Jesus said, you know, you, you must baptize me. You must baptize me. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. And so just as he was baptized and just as the dove came down, so we need the spirit to descend upon us. So my, my point is this. God created you to hunger for the spirit to come upon you. And uh, someone said, well, I spoke in tongues, but, you know, I, yay, yay, yay. Um, just because you spoke in tongues one time, that wasn't the end of what God was trying to do in your life. 
or just because you prayed or not. Some people believe, for example, especially in especially since Pentecostals are the fastest growing church in the world. They now say, well, I OK, speak in tongues. But um, but I got the Holy Ghost and what I didn't speak in tongues. I did something else. And I was just reading a book by a guy who I highly respect. I think he's a great person, but he's mistaken on this. He says that there's all kinds of signs that you have the Holy Ghost. What he, what he probably is m- mistaking is that, yeah, there are many things that happen because the Holy Ghost is in you. But there's only one sign that you have been filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's speaking in other tongues. And what Jesus is telling us is just as I had the glory of the Father, the voice of the Father speaking and the spirit, the spirit came down. It was in form of a dove, but it came down in order to symbolize how many of you couldn't have seen the spirit even on the day of Pentecost. OK, so let, let's keep going. I, I, OK, uh, um, <clears throat> let's see where we are here, because I really feel the Holy Ghost here. Let's lift our hands and thank God for the Holy Ghost. Let's do that. Father, we pray for our neighbors, our friends, this city may mighty revival come as never before. Lord, in these very last days, and we thank you for it. We give you praise. Hallelujah. So, uh, so Jesus had the spirit descend like a dove. And that's a symbol of the hunger that every soul has. That the sweetness and gentleness of the spirit will be able to come down upon them. Now, of course, if you're a sinner and you're beating your wife and you're murdering and you're lying. and she, You're not going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay? No, 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 no. Someone told me, I spoke in tongues and I was cussing like this. That was not the Holy Ghost. Whatever you did, that was not the Holy Ghost. If it's evil, if you're evil, that's not the Holy Ghost. He doesn't say, because the Jesus, the Bible says he doesn't come into an unclean temple. Okay, so if you're, if you're an evil person and you're doing evil things, then you, uh, either you lost it or you never had it. All right, so, um, so it is that, when we see Jesus in the water and the dove coming down, it's, it's reminding us that we need to repent and be baptized, just like Acts 2.38 says. Now, let's go to the next one, and let's look at the... This is supposed to be a black and white of the uh, apostles in the upper room, since we're talking about uh, the Spirit and why people hunger for this, for uh, why they long for the Holy Ghost and why they want to receive the Holy Ghost. Now... Let's look at, I've covered it up with the words. I don't know why I did that. Um, anyway, I chose this picture kind of quickly, but <clears throat> the, the, uh, p- the idea is that the, there was pictures of the tongues of fire. And there's a couple of things. So you see here the, uh, the Greek word uh, diamerizomenai, all right, right here. All right, you see that. This word means the tongues where the word tongues is probably just as well translated flames all right tongues of course the flames were moving and and then it gives us a very clear description of what was going on the spirit came in and there was fire t- flames of fire but they begin to move and while they were separating themselves so the flames were we sometimes say flickering because the top of the flame is moving, and then it would split apart. That's why the King James says, uh, well, let's go to the verse. I'm skipping the verse. There appeared on them what? Cloven 
tongues. So that, that's my whole point, that they were split. In other words, they were splitting. Uh, the, the flames were splitting apart. And what was happening? It was moving on top of each of their heads. That's what the Bible says. Now, Pentecostals are so familiar with this, they're, they're too bored to even care, which is sad. So the, the, the flames resting on their heads. Now, I don't know of this ever happening again. And I've had several people that don't speak in tongues will immediately say, well, I, I, why? Do you have tongues on your head? And stuff like that. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like you got healed one time. Well, were you healed a second time? You know, I had cancer. Well, were you healed of a cold? Well, yes. But what's the point? They think that if they can make some case that, well, it might have been your cancer was healed. But that doesn't really mean anything. It's just it's amazing how people will go to such lengths to try to undo what God does. For example, they'll say so and so was healed of something. But, you know, they got hit by a car. You know, they're like 90 years old and they got hit by a car. As though if they got healed and then later something happened, well, that just proves that couldn't have been real. And it's amazing how people will try to give logical reasons for their doubt. But the truth of the matter is the Holy Ghost is so powerful and so, so real that it can take the hardest heart it can take the educated, the uneducated. It can take anybody, anywhere. And if they believe, he can fill them with his spirit. And this, this moment when the disciples, uh, now I've never, it's never bothered me. I wasn't suggesting it bothered me that some non-Pentecostal uses the tongues of fire. Um, and they would usually say, well, then why this? I'm, I'm not making fun of them because I like these people, but they were they were saying, well, why don't you have the tongues of fire on your head like that? And I said, well, because <laughs> uh, because we, this it doesn't work like that. I mean, how many times do you think Walmart has a grand opening? I mean, when it's done, it's done. That was the grand opening, folks. That was the day they were showing us the symbol. I don't need a tongue of fire on my head. Hey, hey, I'm glad that I got the Holy Ghost and I spoke in tongues. Whether you saw the tongues or not, on the day of Pentecost, it was opening day. I don't have any problem with that the disciples had tongues of fire. It was a symbol of how the Holy Ghost can touch every single person. Praise God. Put your hands together and thank God that you have been filled with the Holy Ghost and that God has done in you what he longs to do. So it was the outward symbol of a message about the importance and significance of the work that was taking place inside. And that's exactly true. Anybody said, praise the Lord. Now, let's go to the next one. All right. Now, here's another one. I want to talk about two things. Um, look at right here. All right. I, I know that I, I get carried away and I've, I've got so many things we want to talk about speaking in tongues. Uh, but they only give us 40 minutes. folks. That isn't very long. OK, so uh, so speaking in tongues is both. Why is it both essential and beneficial? Everyone say beneficial. It's both essential Someone said, well, you, you mean I'm supposed to speak in tongues? That's right. 
it's both essential and it's beneficial. If you want to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then you have to have the same baptism of the Holy Ghost the apostles had. That's why millions and millions and millions and millions of people are getting the Holy Ghost right now. I know the Lord's coming, but he's pouring the spirit out. He, Joel said, he prophesied, in the last days, I'm going to pour my spirit out upon what? All flesh. Now, so I, I'm not just trying to talk about that. I'm trying to uh, zero in, but it's taking me way much, too much time uh, on the fact that it, to have the supernatural work of the spirit in your life is a valuable asset in so many ways. The Spirit becomes to you not just a comforter, although it is a comforter. Well, maybe we could just say it becomes your comforter. That's fine with me. But in other words, whatever that means, it includes all of the assets of the Spirit of God in your life. And that's why right here Paul says, I thank my God. Let's say it together. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than ye all. All right? That's the King James. So I speak in tongues more than all of you. All right, so why is that? Why is it important? Now, at the bottom here, I want to look at two things. I, I want to go quickly. What is the, let me look at the next one. Oh, go. Okay, so, um, so number one, the spirit is the evidence. When you speak in other tongues, it is the evidence of the infilling and birth. Everyone say birth. It's the birthing of the spirit. For example, um, <clears throat> Now, many, many people that don't speak in tongues will say, that's not true. That can't be true. See, and I know they do. I'm, I know that. I understand it. But that doesn't mean they're correct. When you are born of the Spirit. Now, someone said, are you saying I don't have, the Lord has never. No, no, I didn't say that. I said, if you're born of the Spirit, you are going to begin speaking in other tongues. Just like a baby. How many knows that when a baby is born, it has to do something? Okay, it has to what? It has to breathe. That's why Galatians said they cry Abba. They cry out. It's like the, uh, the air getting into the lungs. And so just like that, you're born of the Spirit. The Spirit begins to, you are filled with the Spirit. And, of course, the, the powerful evidence of the Spirit is that you, you begin to speak a language you don't know. Now, I, I do teach. Uh, let's see. I, I teach. Uh, I, I know. I've, I have an ancient language degree. So I teach uh, Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. So that's the, nobody cares. But, you know, that I'm just telling you. And then I know a couple other languages, well, like English, for example. I know English and and some others. And and so it's just something I've always been intrigued with. And it just, you know, when I was 14, I was at the university studying Latin. It's just the way it was. And uh, not many, you know, I was supposed to be playing basketball, but I got lost and ended up in the Latin department. So um, and so it is that uh, in, in language is an interesting thing. But I'll tell you right now. If you start speaking any language and you don't know it, that is a miracle. And so when you begin to speak in tongues, now, of course, you know, there's all these books and people who say, well, speaking in tongues is this or that. It's not real or it's whatever. <laughs> um, uh, and, and so you have that people who think that they've figured out, well, that's not real, you know. And one guy told me, well, I taped and recorded them. And I, that wasn't German or whatever. And I said, but you do know there are 6,000 languages, right? And only uh, most human beings can only learn maybe six, sometimes seven. And, and the most I ever heard of was 11. And, and that was highly debatable. Maybe eight or nine would be like way up there. 
And, and so you obviously don't know 6,000. I don't know 6,000 languages. And then there's tongues of men and of angels. I mean, it was just like, hey, my friend, you, you know you're really stretching the, yourself here. If you think that God cannot fill people and then begin to speak in tongues that you don't recognize. Someone, I, I'm doing a little research with this fellow. It doesn't matter. I'll talk about him later. Who says that he recorded tongue speech for over so many months. And he tried to figure out the syntax. And, the, and, how, and I teach language, so I know exactly what he was doing. He was trying to figure out, was, that, was he using actual words? Were they speaking words? And were they not speaking words? And they said, we couldn't detect any true syntax in that language, which could maybe have been a few minutes or whatever they had tape recorded. But let me tell you what's the, the interesting part to me is not that he was trying to find syntax in someone speaking in tongues, but that he cared so much about it that he was at a Pentecostal church recording people speaking in other tongues. Folks, I want to tell you something. This is one of the most powerful miracles that God fills you with the spirit and you begin to cry out and all of a sudden you're speaking in languages you don't know. Oh, I, I really feel the Holy Ghost here. I want to tell you what God is going to do in Jonesboro. He is going to pour the Holy Ghost out because God's people are praying and these are the last days. Hallelujah. So it's a sign of the infilling. And so just like a baby cries, you know, a baby's supposed to cry. With, I'm trying to make a comparison here because the Bible makes this comparison. Now, the second thing is, wait, 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 wait. We won't have a second comparison. So let's stand and we'll come back to this maybe as soon as we can. But we're going to keep talking about speaking in tongues and why people hunger for the spirit of God.